Hi, this is Sophie, Simon and Ben from That Final Scene. Yeah, we just want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Amazon Music where you can find this very podcast. So, let's dive in, shall we? I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. That final scene starts now. Hi, hi, hi. We're back with another episode of That Final Scene. How's it going? Good. You, sorry, you asked me that question. Uh, <laughs> the minute I took a drink of something, I was really that question just inappropriately timed. For those joining for the very first time, I am your to-be favorite host. Oh, wow. That's a bit of a flex <laughs> and, off the bat. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I Why is that? Well, actually, you have provided some still, good food. Yeah. Still, that is true. Oh, like a literal host. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant like a podcast host. But how are you guys uh, doing? It's only been like six days since we last yeah. recorded so I really don't have that much to update you <laughs> we had a pretty quick turnaround didn't we yeah I didn't get to watch Wakanda Forever did no, you guys no I haven't had a chance to go I've watched oh. it <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I was, was going to be the only one oh, no, no. Phew. <laughs> I thought you were going to because people were like because our, our last episode was uh, Black Panther and we had a few people at least DM me be like Oh, we're waiting for your review on Wakanda Forever, oh, like no. the next episode. No. We're like, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> it's on. It's on its way. It's on its way. You'll get it eventually when it when it comes to Disney I'll Plus. I'll get it on the Blu-ray. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> well, like this will. day, yeah, it's gonna come out in like two weeks. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But I would say by Christmas it could be on Disney Plus, especially with but was it Bob Iger's back? You know. Oh yeah. Big Bad Bob's back at Disney now, so that it'll, was a it'll be major up there. bombshell. By yeah, the way. that's pretty huge that he's back. Yeah going back to streaming services and everything because I'm still like not watching as much stuff as I used to probably a year ago. But when it comes to cinema specifically, because the weather has been so bad here in the UK, I, I actually am just like, oh, do I really want to go to the cinema? Like on a Sunday mm. evening, I could just cozy yeah. up on the couch and just watch whatever, you know, the Bake Off instead. <laughs> well, I'm really annoyed at myself that I still haven't seen The Banshees of Inner Sharon, which I'm, I I want to see before it leaves the cinema. I really want to see it before it leaves Is the it cinema. Is it still playing? I think so. Yeah, I think it's still Because it's only to. been out for like three weeks, maybe. Mm. So, but it will probably go soon because there's, I feel like there's another wave of movies now, movies now yeah. about to come as soon as we get into December. So yeah. I need to see it before it goes. Same. Um, I have a feeling it's one of those titles that's going to end up in prime video for some reason. Yes. Because I feel like Netflix has had a lot of um, Oscar front runners already, you know, like Knives Out, uh, The Wonder, uh, yeah. a bunch of other that uh, are coming out and I feel like Prime hasn't really had an Oscar contender so far or like an, Oscar, an original one so I could see them snapping that one for you know Colin Farrell potentially he's uh, yeah he's been rumored to be nominated for an Oscar there's a bit of yeah year. there's quite a bit of buzz around isn't there for like screen and original director screenplay as well. and director and, as well yeah screenplay yeah. so I could see that ending up on Prime quite quickly I'd love Colin Farrell to get an Oscar nomination yeah, he, be great. he doesn't have one. I don't think so. No, not oh, to my not wow. to my knowledge. I mean, he's obviously been on quite a roll for the last like couple of years. Mm. Ever since he started doing like the Yorgos Lanthimos movies, yes. like The Lobster and stuff yes. like that, and was killing at the Sacred Deer. Mm-hmm. And you know, he was great. I thought he was great. He's the Penguin and Batman. He's obviously doing that series now. He's done a lot. Like compared to when we go back to like back in the day where he was. Alexander the Great, and yes. like uh, he was in my the Miami Vice movie with Jamie Fox and stuff. He's definitely um yeah he's he's kind of turned it around now and I think he's consistently great. Colin Farrell, like, I don't think I've ever seen him. I'm not saying he, all of his movies Since have been Pride great. Pride and Prejudice. Uh, 
No. Was he in Pride and Prejudice? Was he? No. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of Colin. You're thinking of Colin Firth. <laughs> very, very, very different Very actors. different energy vibe. Like the yeah. masculinity vibes. Uh, yeah, very different. He kind of got swept up in a lot of that, like that early noughties kind of like, because he was like, he was a bad boy and kind of yeah. stuff like that. And, like, Alan, yeah. you know, he was in Daredevil. Remember, he was in, he was in, he was Bullseye in oh, Daredevil. Oh, he was. The, oh, with my, ben Affleck. I forgot about that all. And... He's he yeah he's definitely he's doing a lot more not necessarily like a lot more serious stuff you know but I think he's like I definitely mm. feel like he's choosing his roles a lot better than just being like on, on Wikipedia there's a there's a section in his personal life first one is drug addiction then it's sex tape then it's stalker yeah what? he's uh that's yeah. pretty no. he's had some life what was, is that a is that a rumor. What's, it was says, he convicted um, for like in July 2006 as Farrell was being interviewed on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. A telephone sex worker evaded security, walked on stage, confronted Farrell, and threw a self-published book-length expose on him on Jay Leno's desk. <laughs> wow, okay, that's intense. Oh, so he had the stoker. Not that he was a stoker. Yeah, I think so. Oh my god. I mean I feel like every I feel like if Colin Farrell was stalking someone though, you'd yeah. know. Like I feel like that's bigger news. Yeah. <laughs> as as Farrell escorted her off stage and handed her over to NBC security, she shouted, I'll see you in court. After being held by police in Burbank, California, Bradford was released. Wow. Damn. Damn. Okay. Well, yeah. I really want to see the Banshees of Inisherin yeah. and hopefully he does well. Yeah. And obviously Bre- Brendan Gleeson's yeah. in it as well and Brendan Gleeson is just fantastic. Love him. Love him. Yeah. I just wish he was like my granddad. Yeah. You know, he's just that like, he just seems so nice. Whenever I see him in interviews, he always seems lovely. Have you watched anything since we last saw each other? Besides the social network. Besides the social network. I, I watched, I was saying earlier, I watched Beverly Hills Cop as a as like an, an appetite cleanser after watching <laughs> Social Network. I did a double I, I did a double bill on Friday night, yeah. Um and yeah, Beverly Hills Cop um cleansed me after How that. How did you sleep after the excitement of Beverly Hills Cop? Surely you needed something to wind down after that. Oh, I was probably. I think I was up for like another hour or something like that after that, just winding down. How long know, is getting uh, off the Eddie Murphy high? How long is the film? It's about an hour and a half, hour and yeah, forty-five. Yeah, it's like it's a, perfect. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very solid thing. Nice. Which I forgot about the Social Network as well. The Social Network is not as long as I remember it being. But um, so yeah, watch Beverly Hills Cop. I'd forgotten before when we did the last recording. I forgot to mention I I had rewatched Bohemian Rhapsody recently because huh. I just wanted like a feel. We just wanted a feel good movie to watch on like a Saturday. Spent so watching Bohemian Rhapsody. Excuse Apart from me. the Thoughts death of AIDS towards the end. Yes. Exactly, that is quite. It does get quite sad towards the end, but then again, you know, we get to watch Live Aid, so it's great, and you get to yeah. see something somebody playing Bob Geldof, which is hilarious. Thoughts um, on the sound editing and the mixing? That I mean, the editing's of- horrendous. That's yeah. that, that that whiplash scene where there's what is there thirty cuts or something over thirty cuts in the space of like three minutes is just absolutely terrible. But I I really enjoy the film in in general. Yeah, I think same. it's I think it's great. I mean, it's a great film. I don't necessarily know how like Oscar worthy it was. I do think it was a, it was quite good. I don't necessarily know. I don't think every biopic now is like, well, you do a biopic about a famous musician and you're guaranteed like an Oscar right. nomination and the movie's guaranteed like us. Because didn't everybody get annoyed after that, that the guy who played Taron Egerton didn't get a nomination for Elton John and stuff. And I think there's almost like a precedent set now that you, you know, you go and you like I'll do in like ten years time I'll play Bono and then mm. I'll just get an Oscar nomination because mm. that's what has to happen. And generally biopics, which I find very uninspiring in a way. Yeah, it gives you like a fast track access to getting an Oscar nomination just because you play yeah. an actual person. But um, and I started watching the we started watching The Crown as well, which okay. I have to say. So I know you talked about Elizabeth Debicki and some of the performances in it. I'm not sure on Imelda Staunton as the Queen still. 
Oh, we're like Same. two or three I'm episodes so, in. I'm not and so. I think, yeah. It is weird because they start the season off with that um, throwback to Claire Foy and the, mm-hmm. and the, the Britannia yacht. Mixing and, the actors. Mm, yeah. Phenomenal. And she's brilliant. And yeah. like Claire Foy is the, of the three that have played mm. the Queen, Claire Foy is definitely the best. And so to start it off and then to go into a Melstone who's like very different is, I don't know, it just doesn't really feel that right. And Elizabeth Debicki's one, I mean, she do, I, I actually kind of like her as Diana because... I get that it feels like it's a very like restrained performance, but I think if you look at the context of the show and like Diana's life, then like you know, giving these tapes to that journalist and stuff like that, she herself was leading a very restrained life. So I think I, I actually kind of like it in that she's quite, mm-hmm. you know, restricted in a way. The problem the show has is that when you have like three different sets of actors playing the same characters over six seasons, it's 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 hard to not be like, oh, well, that person was better. And I feel like Jonathan Price kind of plays Jonathan Price. In the, yeah. I, I don't really see, I, yeah, I don't really see the, the actual uh, performance come through as natural. It's more like, oh, I can see that this is acting in a way. Yeah, with 100%. Yeah. yeah, 100%. I'm going to finish it for sure. I think right now I'm on episode four or five. But yeah. how do you find, I mean, how do you find the season overall? Like I find it a bit slow or I'm just not really Yeah, it's following. very slow and it's kind of like they're struggling for drama. I think it, uh, yeah. uh, like, you know, kind of what feels like. What decade are they in? They're in the early 90s now. So it's, I think it's like 92, like it's like 92, 93 this season. So this season runs from so like John Major's Prime Minister. Yeah, exactly. So you know Johnny Lee Miller from Train Spotting. He was in, he played Sherlock Holmes in, in she Elementary. She used to be married to Angelina Jolie for like three days, probably first husband. He played yeah, so he played Sick Boy in Train Spotting, and he's playing he's playing John Major in it. So actually, that, I the think wig that's, acting. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Wig oh acting. God, Simon, you'll love honestly the wigs. The wig doesn't John Major have just like white? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Johnny Lee Miller doesn't have white hair, okay. but honestly, you'd never know. That's the a wigs Hall- are that good. That's a Halloween wig. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a Michael Myers style a- wig. <laughs> Comb over. Yeah, yeah, literally. He just, and he's got the big square glasses as well. Yeah, it's like Netflix <clears throat> came in for season five. They're like, we're cutting the budget, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> no more budget. No more budgets on sets, but the budgets on wigs is ten times bigger. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he's in it as, so Johnny yeah. Lee Miller's in it as John Major. So it's that era. And I think it it runs up to 97, just before, just after, I think, Charles and Diana's divorce. And then and the then cliffhanger. The cliffhanger will be, I think the cliffhanger is like just before Diana dies. And then season six, the start of the season will deal with all of that. And then it will kind of, I think that's going to then wrap it up into like modern times. Have they mentioned how they're planning on, I mean, I don't know if you've heard of it, but like how they're planning to actually end or when? I think the next season's going to go into like the mid kind of. But just keep like going. The mid, yeah, well, they could just keep going, but they're not going to. Like they've said, the guy who's created it says season six is the end. He had I initially like planned it to be like six that. seasons. Then it was just going to be five. Gets into too much, too many legal grey areas. If he yes. gets too current, <clears throat> yeah. Oh yeah, hundred yeah, percent, yeah. And I think the thing is, like, it is kind of. It feels like it's run its course now. You know, it's kind of like okay. Yeah. We've had like almost six seasons of it now, and just let just yeah. leave it lie. Plus, I feel like everyone would know that Netflix would be super favorable towards Meghan Markle and you know Chris I think it because is. they have a deal with them. You know, like they're basically what, paying what them to produce. What is their deal? What are they actually making? Uh, Meghan Markle was supposed to be make some sort of animated series or whatever, but it got canned because, again, Netflix is cutting costs. And I think with Prince Harry, they had a documentary. They, yeah, they, and they, they have like their own podcast company and stuff. Yeah, they've but had is that a, to do with Netflix? That's no, with that, was, that was Spotify. But with Netflix, they had like a separate deal, like similar to the Obamas. What about you, Zoe? What have you been watching? I watched Coco on Sunday. 
nice. I'm at the picture. Yeah, my recommendation. Yay. Did you recommend it? Yeah, I said Coco in the last episode, didn't I? <laughs> Isn't it really, inc- that ending is incredibly upsetting. Yeah, it's like uh, the blub engineers at Pixar. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> they turned it into, they turned it into, into a lemon. frenzy. Yeah. <laughs> New Sophie, anything else? I also did a double bill with the social network. Was it as good as my double bill, though? Uh, no, definitely not. Uh, All the money in the world. You have you seen that film? Oh, the yeah, the one that the, was supposed to be Kevin Spacey. Yes. So interesting. Yes. Yeah. So, in, yeah, so interesting double bill. <laughs> I, I'd seen I'd seen it before. But I watched it for two reasons. Well, one, I, w- I was with Michael and he was like, oh my God, you need to watch this film because we're talking like billionaires, like corruption, like it's the perfect kind of... He know, said this to you and were you just like, bitch, I've already seen the film. I actually, well, that's the funny <laughs> part. I was actually like, oh, I've heard of the film, let's watch it. And then... Were, were you lying and then just fi- to spare his blushes? No, 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 but like five minutes in, I realized... <laughs> have you ever done that? Have you ever pretended to have not seen something? Uh, of course else. I haven't seen Titanic of course so I'd love to watch it with you no I've probably done the other way around like okay. probably oh, just yeah. Like, oh yeah tell me what's the film oh, and yeah. I haven't I've yeah. seen The Godfather yeah. 9 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously yeah, okay. Avatar 3 was it yesterday <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think that's very telling about the film itself because five minutes in I'm like oh my god I've seen the film it's such a forgettable uh, film it's a forgettable film but at the same time it's not a bad film like it's weird because I actually enjoyed it but I was, uh, yeah, I forgot Would that I Would it have been a different it. film if they hadn't cut Spacey out of it entirely? So that's the second reason I watched it, because well, I know... When was he cut out? So Basically, they finished, the entire film was finished, and then he had his whole lawsuit, and basically then they reshot all of his scenes with Christopher Plummer and cut him entirely out of the film. Hmm. And Christopher Plummer is incredible in that film, actually. He's, and he got on a nomination for, for his performance. He was really, really good. But that's actually the second reason I watched the film after the, se- the social network. Because after watching the film, I realized that this film is full of cancelable and canceled men. You have Kevin Spacey as an executive producer... Social network. I is mean, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I didn't uh, know that. Scott Rudin, super problematic, like Hollywood producer. Again, Army like, Hammer. Be- yeah, best friend with uh, Harvey Weinstein. Army Hammer twice. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he's in the film yeah, twice. And I was like, I need to go, like, as you said earlier, I need to cleanse my palette with something good that has happened in the movie world. I'm like, yeah. Ridley Scott. You know, Christopher Plummer, Kevin Spacey out. This is the perfect film, like, for that. I mean, Ben cleansed with Eddie Murphy, which has its yeah. own set of issues. I mean, this is true. Ben did it right. I, I went more hardcore. At least mine was some light relief. <laughs> <laughs> Not the story of a kidnapping. <laughs> it's actually good. Though. Well, t- I mean, Beverly Hills it, Cop, technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a, there. it's a very conventional, you know, kidnap, yeah, like inside man, you know, kind of story. I basically only true. watch Beverly Hills Cop for the surge scene anyway. Oh, oh, which we have scene. in our, in our like intro on our uh, different segments, you know. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. It's, it's such a good scene. So it's so good. real. It's a very important bit. It's, it's so, <laughs> that guy's so fucking funny. We need to play that uh, clip for... Uh, our listeners who haven't yeah. really seen that. There is an, though, an Ahmed, he, Ahmed Foley, Ahmed uh, Achwell Foley. <laughs> so funny. I'm fan. My name is Serge, and how can I help you? Um, yeah, I'm looking for Miss Jenny Summers. It's very busy today. Maybe you give me your name? My name is Axel Foley. And uh, what is pertaining? I didn't understand what you said. Pertaining, what it's meaning, regarding. Oh, what's it regarding? I'm an old acquaintance of hers. Donay? One moment. Don't run and tell me, Summers, that uh, Mr. Ahmed Foley is here to no, see. Axel Foley. Axel. Ahmed, Ahwell. Axel. Foley is here to see her. These are all the queens. May I offer you something to drink? Uh, wine, a cocktail, uh, 
Espresso? No, I'm fine, thank you. I'll make it myself, right back there with a little lemon twist. It's good, you should try it. No, I'm, I'm fine. I see you look at this piece. Yeah, I was wondering how much something like this went for. $130,000. Get the fuck out of no, here! No, I cannot, it's serious, because it's very important piece. Have you ever sold one of these? Sell it yesterday to a collector. Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I myself. Apparently that scene was at lips. Doesn't surprise me. Like, doesn't yeah. surprise Lo loads me. of that scene was like, I think a lot of the film was like that actually. Yeah. And they were allowed to like mess about until they got something good. Right. I, yeah, I just think I mean. that, guy, that guy's like the standout and I think. I feel like we need to do the final scene at some point for that film. We definitely it's probably should. probably the most mentioned film after the Prestige. I mean, well, up the, uh, yeah, up there with the Prestige is probably the most mentioned film in this podcast. <laughs> The two of the best films ever made. <laughs> double bill. There's a double bill. <laughs> also, the soundtrack of Beverly Hills is ridiculous. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, look, a message from our sponsor. G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it. Nah, yo, hold my poodle. Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again. Shall we move on to our community segment? Let's oh, do it. I've been waiting for this one. Because it's spicy. It's spicy because, I mean... Kevin no, Spicy. Yeah. <laughs> That was his profile on Grindr. We're Grindus. there. We're there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Well, I'm whether sorry. we love it or we hate it, well, I know we definitely hate it. Elon Musk is everywhere right now in the news, no matter where you turn on the internet. So we're pretty sure that somewhere down the line, probably in the next you know, year or so, there's going to be an Apple Music, you know, film with Elon, like an Elon Musk biopic. And do we're like, who would be the ideal person or actor to play Elon Musk? So we asked you, and I mean, as always, you, you had some great recommendations. I think we should go with the top one first, because that was the one that was one of the most surprising one to me. Apparently, Kathy Bates. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite. I, I, listen, <laughs> I think she'd be great. I think Get the prosthetics in there. It'd be mm. like, remember when Melissa McCarthy played Sean Spicer on SNL, you know, I think she'd do a great job. She would do a great job. And going back to the space Karen meme, I can see her in like a blonde wig. <laughs> it's really funny because it's actually the most liked response from Le Merchant 94. So hi there. Another popular one, Tommy Wiseau. I mean, that. <laughs> I think Tommy Wiseau could be fun. I would love to see the written, directed, and starring mm. Elon Musk biopic with Tommy Wiseau, where he just he just writes it, he produces it, he is everything in it. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, because you know? it's the equivalent of Twitter right now, which is moderated, you know, like developed yeah. and produced by Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the so product funny. right yeah. now. Write the theme tune, sing the theme tune, it'd be brilliant. Kind of related to that, a, lot, a couple of people said James Franco, but I'm not seeing that. I don't know where that came from. I don't really get the James Franco one. Because he hasn't really done any transformations, where we had a couple of people say Jared Leto, which I don't really see it. But I guess I get... Someone with a false messiah complex, I feel like Leto can really channel that into his work in uh, playing Elon Musk. That is a great point. I hadn't considered that. So, yeah. Someone, but, someone who thinks they are God amongst men. I mean... Leonardo DiCaprio, I guess, but also... In his dreams. No. <laughs> I feel like he's burned at this point. Um Charlize Theron, you remember yeah. Monster, right? <laughs> I thought you know, that was a good suit, comment. Yeah, suit her the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I like that. Jesse Plemons is an interesting one, mm. I think. I think he could do it. What about Jonah Hill or Jack Black? I think Black Jack Black would be funny. What is Jack Black up to these days? He's in the new Mario movie. He plays he plays Bowser in the new Mario movie. And oh. he seems to just be in every one of these new Jumanji films. I like to just think he's still <laughs> composing music in the holiday. Sitting <laughs> behind his piano. Because of Rock 54, yeah. <laughs> I still occasionally enjoy the scene from the holiday where he's walking in blockbusters and he proceeds to take Kate Winslet around Blockbuster mm-hmm. and oh, pick yes. out DVDs and like do a little sing song of the, <laughs> the theme tune from each DVD. <laughs> it's so cheesy. It's really oh very cheesy. I love Jack Black. I love his band too. Tenacious D yeah. are great. I've, seen them, I've seen them live twice. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Tenacious D are still around, I think. I think they might actually be touring again soon. Oh, yeah. I would love to see them live. They're so good. They're oh. amazing. We had a couple of others. I mean, Christian Bale, Jared Leto, DiCaprio. I feel like these are the classic picks. The I'm not of, seeing them. Yeah, I feel the, like you need someone with a more like unique face and almost like figure to just show yeah. up. Yeah, Elon Musk. I guess. I mean, Bale has the like when you think of what was that? What was the movie where he played Dick Cheney? What was that on? Vice. Vice, yeah. I he mean, has the range. He has he, he has, has the, the range, range, and he'd be willing to put on a bit of weight and like yeah. wear loads of prosthetics, but. I, he doesn't look it. I think uh, somebody said Sam Rockwell, which I think would be quite cool. Like I think Sam Rockwell. Oh, would do well, a good job. yeah, I could see that. I Ian McShane. Oh, bringing back our favorite Deadwood and uh, Lovejoy. <laughs> Lovejoy actor. <laughs> I mean, listen. I mean, uh, if uh, maybe he could play an older Yeah, probably in two, twenty years from now. Maybe we could. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they could He's do a bit it. Like jowly, isn't he? Maybe, maybe they could do it. I mean, <laughs> here's the movie. We basically make remake a Christmas Carol where he's. Ebenezer, Elon is Ebenezer Scrooge and he's visited by the ghost of oh, Elon past, present and future and Elon future can be Ian McShane. Imagine if Elon just becomes Lovejoy. I <laughs> I could I could see because someone said Mary J2, hi there, uh, Jesse Eisenberg and I'm actually seeing that. He's too uh, thin. No, no, I'm, th- yeah. no, I'm thinking like a young uh, Musk because oh. he was actually quite thin like back in the day. Uh, but I'm seeing, and we're going to talk about the social network, but there have been a lot of people that have said that actually Jesse Eisenberg doesn't really play Zuckerberg because Zuckerberg is not like that. Yeah. And that kind of like socially awkward programming genius. I mean, he was like really good, but he wasn't as socially awkward and incapable of having an actual conversation as he was pr- portrayed. And I feel like Musk was much more like that. And he's much, mm. he's much more like that in real life. What about Matt Damon? Matt Damon could maybe Matt do Damon, that. I th- I saw, I saw in the, um, yeah, I saw it somewhere. In the, yeah, I that's could, probably the most accurate. I think. Yeah, my pick would be Brendan Fraser. A couple of people said that I could see that after after seeing the whale, I could see that totally. Yeah, yeah. that would make sense. He's a bit, he's probably a bit too old though. That's the only problem. He's probably. And you think so? I mean, if you want to play, like, yeah, well, I don't know actually. They might be the same age. Mm. Ish. Who's going to play Grimes in the movie? That's the question. Oh, that Grimes. Grimes yeah, Grimes <laughs> could play Grimes. Yeah. <laughs> Featuring Grimes, Ro- that's Grimes. <laughs> Rooney Mara would be amazing. Yeah, who I forgot was in The Social yeah. Network. Rooney Mara, is she the one that's in House of Cards? No, that's, that's Kate, Kate Mara. Mara. That's her oh, sister. Oh, her sister. Ah, right. Okay. So Rooney Mara's in, she's in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yes. In G. Yeah. Yeah. So her family are like an acting dynasty type family. Yeah, they're quite privileged. Very, right. very wealthy. Very, very wealthy. Yeah. The Maras. Oh, I know the Maras. <laughs> yeah. I had them over last weekend. <laughs> you know the Maras. They live oh, on Washington hey. Avenue. Yes. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> Rooney's starring in the new Ridley Scott. <laughs> oh, Ridders. <laughs> <laughs> She's actually doing a film with Hawking Phoenix, finally. Is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, How do you say his name? Hawking. I, I would say Joaquin. 
Ah, well, I thought it was Joachim. Kim. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think all of them are accurate depending on where you're from. He was the uh, baddie and gladiator, right? Yes, yeah. Commodus. Yeah, how we, didn't win, how we didn't win an Oscar for oh, that. They, they are together ridiculous. in real life, so it will be interesting to see them. Uh, Rooney Mara and Joaquin Phoenix. Oh. They're together. So it'll be interesting to see them. In. That's an interesting maybe community segment where you've had two performances in a film and one gets an award and one doesn't. The Ooh. fact that Russell Crowe won an Oscar for Gladiator and Joaquin Phoenix didn't is kind of ridiculous Did considering Joaquin Phoenix. Did he get Joaquin nominated? Fe- I think he might have been nominated, mm. but it, he didn't win. And yet his performance is better than Russell Crowe's in the film. Yeah. You know. 100%. Do we even have a, do we even have a date for next year? I haven't checked. Um, the Oscars. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one cares. Simon, we've already no said this. We're staying cares. up and we're watching the ceremony together. No, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. Um, are they being good now? Are they doing like, are they letting foreign people win and stuff and females? Uh, they're pretty bad still. Okay, still yeah. Yeah. I thought everyone yeah. had sort of said it was I mean, out of date. One of, one of my favorite woke things that the Oscars has done in recent years is that they changed the name of the category, like best foreign film to best international feature. <laughs> <laughs> best film with foreigners in. <laughs> oh, whoops. I mean, best international. international. People with accent. <laughs> we need to give them something. <laughs> what about we call it? international film. Oh, it's a bit racy, but I think yeah. I, can, I can live with it. Um, okay. Um, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back with The Social Network. What's this? It's a movie. No. No, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? All right. We are back with the final segment of our podcast, the final scene. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, the Social Network, 2010, David Fincher, Written by Aaron Sorkin, produced by Councilman. So do you have a breakdown of the final scene, Sophie? Do you have a run-through? Because I feel like, yes. Simon, you need to get some of that amazing Trent Reznor score on uh, on, on this section of the podcast. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. We have the plot as described by Columbia Pictures. I hate this one, but I have the good one. That Why I... do you always have a plot that you hate that you then read because out? Because I feel like we can't have a conversation around that. <laughs> but actually, I don't hate it. It's just like a non-plot, so... On a full night in 2003, <laughs> Harvard underground computer programming genius Mark Zuckerberg sits down on his computer and heatedly begins working on a new idea. In a fury of blogging and programming, what begins in his dorm room soon becomes a global social network and a revolution in communication. A mere six years later and 500 million friends later, Mark Zuckerberg is the youngest billionaire in history. But for this entrepreneur, success leads to both personal and legal complications. A lot of love. I like this this one better, which is much more straightforward. As Harvard student Mark Zuckerberg creates the social network site that would become known as Facebook, he is sued by the twins who claimed he sold their idea and by the co-founder who was later squeezed out of his business. I'm on um, honesttrailers.fandom.com. Experience the world's smartest film about the world's dullest premise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I was thinking that right before the trailer was released, which is what, which was one of the best trailers I'd seen, uh, you know, because I remember it had... Do you remember the trailer? We can we can play the, the audio because it uses um, Radiohead Creep, like a version of it, which is really well done. Up until that point, like everyone was like, oh, a film about Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg, who was not a super inspiring figure, let's be honest. But I feel like then you had the cast and then you had the score in the film and people start getting sold. And obviously, you know, Aaron Sorkin was pretty established back then. 
something substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs. Why? Because they're exclusive and fun, and they lead to a better life. People want to go on the internet and check out their friends, so why not build a website that offers that friends, pictures, profiles? I'm talking about taking the entire social experience of college and putting it online. The site got 2,200 hits within two hours? Thousand. 22,000. There's parts of the score that make it feel like a kind of like a Cold War spy movie and then they huh. you mix in the kind of like the more electro, like it, if you had scored that film differently or had some, like if you had John Williams do the score for that film, the film's probably not as good. The music in it sets the tone in so many of the scenes. Before the scenes even start, the music in it already kind of sets that for you. And if you'd done it by, like if it was all just like strings or like something like that, you know, it'd be a completely different film. I just found another one. Journey to Harvard, where no one lets you forget it's Harvard. And meet Mark Zuckerberg, a star student with the mind of a calculator and the heart of a troll. Oh my God. <laughs> and the wardrobe of a comfy hobo. <laughs> well, I think it's, you know, it's interesting when you look, when, when you watch the start of the film, and this is like, like I couldn't help think about this, having watched, like, you know, with the, you know, the, the world that like social media has become with like trolling and stuff like that especially with like Twitter and, and different things. The fact that the movie starts with him making this face mash thing, which is him being this kind of like almost incel arsehole who gets dumped by a girl and I his mean, reaction. I when I was a kid, I definitely went on those types of websites and thought it was funny. I yeah, was, but you I, did, they you even didn't, mentioned ratemypoo.com in that film. Yeah, and but, I definitely <laughs> thought that was the funniest, cleverest yeah, but you website didn't, Yeah, ever. but you didn't make a website where you rated pictures of girls well, in school. Yeah, but I still would have thought that was funny. I, I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't so think not, that... So I don't want to pretend that I'm above right. that. I don't think that's age. his most inexcusable offense. In, uh, in real life, he did create that website, that's mm. true, but actually involved, it had men as well. It wasn't just women. Right, okay. So I wonder was what 99% women on it, though. Did you actually? No, but you couldn't have used face mask because that was a hard. Oh, no, on hotnot.com, sorry. Oh, no, he, okay. that, no, I'm talking about like his oh. website, the one that he created for Harvard. From my limited knowledge of hotnot.com, <laughs> it was 99.4% female. Uh, we do not condone sexist misogyny and racism in this podcast. Just like, I'm, just saying, like, I'm just saying we all no, move no, on from no, these no, things. No, 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 as in like, as yeah. of right, like right now. Yeah. But I'm just trying to, yeah, give the, the big, yeah, the actual picture behind what happened because... That is one we can we can go around and talk about like what is the one thing that we loved about the film and one of the things that we kind of didn't like. Because I would say my favorite thing is definitely the score, one hundred percent. And some of the performances like I, I love Justin Timberlake and Andrew Garfield in that film. Like I feel like these two were my highlights. I think it's probably Justin Timberlake's best performance in a film full stop because he's 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 so good at playing Sean Parker. It's but yes. like he's the best bit is at the end where he's caught with the like the underage students and stuff doing coke in the bedroom, and then true. he's on the phone and the he's on the phone with the police. And he's like, "Hey man, do you think it was like Eduardo like called the cops or like um like it goes full circle to like everybody like Eduardo saying he was all he was paranoid. Like it's it's yeah, I think Timberlake is very good in that film, surprisingly yeah. so. And I think that kind of also speaks to the casting because you're right. It, it was probably like a casting decision where they could tell that, hey, he can play the part very yeah. well. Obviously, he doesn't have like yeah a super, you know, like a massive range, range or anything, but he's just very, very well cast. And then Andrew Garfield as well. Uh, I love the editing. I thought it was incredible. Um, 
Now, the, the, the bit that I didn't like, but that's probably because I am way too close in that world, uh, you know, for like full disclosure, like I do work in the social strategy industry. So I do have to talk about freaking Facebook and Twitter <laughs> and, you know, and meta now all the time. Yes, the metaverse. The metaverse. Uh, so I did feel like there were so many things that weren't portrayed accurately. And obviously I... I I know that we were watching a film. I just thought there were so many things that could have been portrayed from a different perspective to have told a different story. So when we think about the opening scene and the final scene, which basically it all, like, according to Aaron Sorkin, it all came down to Erica Albright, that the reason that Zuckerberg started the website and Facebook was because he got, you know, he, he, got, he, dumped. he got dumped. And then of journey to you know, like get sued and all of that and actually build an empire for the sake of, you know, getting a, a friend request accepted by her. I just thought that the fact that he, from a character development standpoint to kind of reduce his entire motivation to a heartbreak or like a girl, I just don't think like it tells the actual <coughs> story of Zuckerberg, which is much more sinister in my opinion. Weird, weirdly, do you know what? I don't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, to to go kind of straight to the final scene in comparison to the opening, I didn't I didn't see him sending her a Facebook request as him being like, okay, finally the end of the journey now. I can add her on Facebook. I don't, I definitely didn't. I don't feel pity for him. I don't think I feel pity for him. But it's um, Rashida Jones says to him, "It's like you're not an asshole. You're just really tr you're just trying really hard to be." Mm -hmm. And the only other person who basically speaks to him like that in the film, really at the start, is Erica. She says to him, "I want you to know that, like, you're gonna you're gonna go through life thinking girls don't like you because you're a you're a tech nerd. Girls won't like you because you're a fucking asshole or something like that." Is what she tells him, and then it gets to the end of the film, and she, he's told, "Well, you're not an asshole. You're just trying to be." And it's kind of that you know, it's almost him trying to realize, "Well, why am I trying to be an asshole?" And then maybe it's it's more so like him trying to redeem himself. I don't necessarily to me, it didn't feel like it was like this was the culmination of his thing of like he's gotten to a point where he's built this empire and he can add her on Facebook. It was you know, his first step in trying to redeem himself for the shitty things he's done. But I also feel like it comes, like, I just feel like at this point, because he was so in the actual business side of things and he was halfway through building his, whatever, social world, he would be well past, like, small guy problems that is making amends in a way, if that's what... And, and I guess he's still human, though. <clears throat> well, he's still human. And I guess that's where it comes into the whole thing of that this is a film and there's definitely, there's like dramatic liberties taken with it. Yeah, I think that's what I'm having an issue with is that we're not talking about a character or like a person that, you know, died. The conversation around the crown, for example, we're not talking about someone who died, you know, 50 years ago. We're talking about someone who was very much at his prime when that film came out and is still very much out there doing his thing. I can't remember, but I feel like Zuckerberg's impression of the film wasn't necessarily positive. Like when the film came out, oh, I don't yeah, think he, he, said he, he liked his feelings. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, and yeah, I think, and, I think and, everybody and, just went, who fucking cares? Right. I'm not, much, I'm not like, trying to defend him. I just think you, I get that Aaron Sorkin was trying to find, he's very much like a villain hero kind of guy. And I think in this, in the, in the film, we can tell that Zuckerberg is the villain. And then Eduardo is like, is kind of the, not the hero, but the more, the character was supposed to have some sympathy for. I thought the, the Winklevoss twins were the bigger villain because I always, not really. I perceived them to, to just get paid an awful lot of money for 
doing nothing. Like in real life, that's the way I read what happened. Yeah, but they're not villains for doing that. They're just like money suckers. Yeah. But that's uh, when I say villain, I mean someone who's driven by something that's actually out of hatred and, you know, like domi- domination. Well, do you not remember the scene after the boat race when the, Vin- the Winklevoss twins decide to gut him? And yeah. they really hate him at that point and they're going to gut him for all he's got. Yeah, because, because in their head... Or one of them does. Because in their head, they felt like he had actually stolen their idea. Mm. But like... Mark said, if you invent a chair, <laughs> you can't stop other people from making a chair and making money out of it. And he just got to market faster. Yeah, that's, I mean... And that's what America's built on, basically, that type of attitude. Yeah, I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just yeah. saying, like, I don't see them as villains for just trying to make money out of him because they... Ambul- I, I, well, my personal view is it's a bit like an ambulance chaser situation. And I just thought, right. oh, they, just, they shouldn't get money for doing nothing. Like, it's right. just really lame. The reason I'm bringing this up about his character in particular is because I've done a lot of reading on Zuckerberg in, because I've had to because of my work. And he's he's the kind of guy that was never motivated by money. He wasn't motivated by women. He says that he, completely through the film, doesn't he? I, I feel like he mentions that in the film that he's not driven by money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the point well, Eduardo actually like, says that on his behalf a couple of times, doesn't he? Yeah. He was with Priscilla the whole time. like this, And I, Erica Albright wasn't even, didn't even exist as a character. So, like, I just don't like the fact that the opening scene, the final scene, goes back to a person that's not even, exi- that, that was not even in the picture in the first place. I would have much rather seen... A more, like, a moral, yeah, sinister evil side of, you know... Zuckerberg that comes from the place of I want to dominate the world because that was his, his intention. Like his biggest role model is um, Augustus Caesar. Like he he comes from a place of I want to dominate. I want to be every. I want to be in every home. But isn't I that what every, every like business school teaches its students? Is like that's what you've got to be like in business. Yeah, but not everyone acts on it. I mean, this guy yeah. went out of his way to just literally be in everyone's home. And he has succeeded. Like, Facebook has 3 billion users right now. Mm. I just, I would have rather seen that story as opposed to, like, yeah, like, giving a non-existent character yeah, airtime to make it about, um, yeah, him being, I don't know. But that, that's just my take, just because we're thinking about the opening and the final scene, and they both have these two characters in a way, whether, I mean, Erica's not actually in the final scene, but she's... But you, yeah. Do you remember the section where Sean Parker talks about why he really built Napster? Yeah. And isn't the film really about the fact that these huge companies get built for actually quite bonkers, minute reasons? Yeah. So it might be to get the girl or to get someone back. And those kind of feelings can lead to you developing like really big businesses because they're Absolutely. such visceral feelings. Absolutely. Mm. And I think that was definitely Sean Parker's intent. I just don't think that was Zuckerberg's like motivation okay. at all. Like the whole, ang- yeah, the whole girl angle. For me, that didn't work. I think that comes across in how they're both played as well. Yeah. Like Eisenberg's yeah. performance doesn't feel like it's driven, but like that's why I say it doesn't really feel like at the end of it, it doesn't feel like he did it for her. His performance doesn't feel like he's driven by women or like you know oh, what did, you, what like did you make of him refreshing the page again again i think that's his just his chronic need to be liked everyone's done that once at least once before is like hoped for a response and you know waited by the door for a letter or refreshed their email or whatever like everyone's been there like wanting to be liked by someone it was very relatable i thought that scene okay. no i mean it is it 100 is and i think it's maybe trying to make him a little bit more relatable in that way but also 
it kind of feels like <laughs> like making a Facebook and stuff like that throughout the film kind of almost feels a little bit like him just wanting to be liked and accepted by people. The whole Sean Parker thing is clearly just like, this is, oh my God, he likes me. Mm. He really likes me. And Eduardo kind of sees through that. And obviously Eduardo in the film, like if we're not he even thinking of these. He likes me or he gets me. Because I think that's what he saw in Son Parker. He saw some some sort of mentor. Yeah. Because he doesn't, I don't, I don't see Zuckerberg, like in the film anyway, whoever is being portrayed in the film as someone who wants to be liked. I mean, he goes out of his way to go on, so to go on live journal and call like his ex-girlfriend a bitch. Then he makes this horrific website that he knows like is going to have horrible consequences, but he does it because he can, in air quotes. Then in the, um, in the lawyer, you know, like scenes, like he's being a total douchebag in front of everyone. He tells everyone off. I don't think he wants to be, he's interested, he's interested in being right rather than liked, I feel like. You know, you remember that moment um, where he was, um, I think Andrew Garfield, like Eduardo was, said something like 16 million. And then um, I, Jesse Eisenberg, he, he grabbed his pen. He was like, let me do the math on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but that yeah. almost accentuated the maturity thing. So you've got all these lawyers oh, in the yeah. room who are basically the adults, and then the children are oh, yeah. Eduardo and... Fighting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, it, and that, that was what the film was about largely, isn't it? It's about what happens when you get Absolutely. a lot of power and a lot of money and you're really young. Yeah, for me, that's the story. Like, these yeah. are the bits that I like. For me, it's about power, it's about corruption, it's about, like, self-obsession, mm. like, vanity. Like, we should probably are... disclose that you and me met working for a company backed by Sean Parker. <laughs> is, that, is that true? Yeah, he was one of the main investors <laughs> of that company we worked at. <laughs> so this is why Sophie thinks Justin Timberlake's performance was so good. Uh, there you go. Yeah, that's full disclosure. <laughs> and, just, uh, and also, we should say it was a massive failure. <laughs> <laughs> so well, we can't vouch for Sean's I investing mean, Sean in Parker, uh, I mean, prowess. I mean, Sean Parker has, like, a very dodgy, yeah, like, yeah, track record. But I also, because I had it, I looked up what Son Parker thought of Justin Timberlake's performance, and he, he basically said, it's a great performance of someone that sounds and looks like nothing <laughs> like me. Do you know what, though? You know when, like, we were joking earlier about, you know, who's going to play Elon Musk? Mm. I bet Sean Parker would secretly be pretty happy that Justin Timberlake... I would say oh, he's not... Yeah. I would say as soon as he found out Justin Timberlake was cast to play him, I'd say yes. he had a fucking field day. Yeah, yeah, he said... Yeah, he said... It doesn't get yeah, better than he that. He said that. Yeah. He said that. I mean, yeah. I don't know what he's up to these days. But he still has, like, a... No, because he was out... I think he was pushed out of the board after he was found for uh, for cocaine possession. He's still but a shareholder. He still, ha- he still has, uh, yeah. Yeah, but, I think yeah. he still has that whatever 6% yeah. oh, Because no one like in uh, Silicon Valley ever does coke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but... But thank he, God they made yeah, a show but, of it. Yeah, but yeah. he did coke with a 17-year-old and got caught doing it, so... With coke in he his hands. He was never charged, though, but he was, yeah, like, even the PR yeah. story, was Zachary was like, you're out, man. Like, it's like, yeah, I can't have that on my... Like, he, so he was, like, ruthless, Zachary. He was like, you're out. Like, I can't have this on me. And, I mean, that's more of a trivia thing, but going back to Eduardo, because for those of you who don't know, the, sto- the, the film is based very loosely on an actual story, uh, no, sorry, book, called The Accidental Billionaires. And that book was co-written by Eduardo. So oh, this right. is why it's quite sympathetic towards him. Because what I read, like what actually happened, when you remember when he went to New York for an internship, and supposedly he was trying to find advertisers. That he advertisers. quit on his first day, yeah. What he actually did, like in real life, is that he went there, he started a side hustle 
and created like a rival company for Facebook uh, with a spin that it was supposed to be for job professionals, so like a version of LinkedIn, let's say. And then he started advertising that company on Facebook for <laughs> free without Zuckerberg's permission. Zuckerberg found out. She was like, you're out. Well, you're out. And that's when, you know, then... He had the shares the, diluted. Yeah, exactly. And that was the beginning of... The end of the relationship. So really. what we're saying is that there's no virtuous characters in this film. Yeah, and there's I'm no one. There's nobody supposed yeah, to be there's really not many films in which film. you can really enjoy where you also know all the characters are horrible. Which is a very Sorkin. <laughs> it's, cool. it's, it's a very Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin thing. I feel like every single character of his are just like. Is the West Wing like that? Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, and Molly's Game. Uh, you know, being the Ricardos, like a recent mm. one, like uh, the Trial of Chicago Seven, I with think, the exception yeah. of. Sa- his, like, his genius is like, he holds you with the rhythmic, snappy dialogue. And it's just such a pleasure to let that wash over you. Because they talk in that film the way you dream you could talk in real, real life. You know, <laughs> quippy comebacks, really witty. Do you know what? There were certain scenes really here that, that, in my, that in my head, I was kind of like, I was like, it's like the West Wing. It's also like scenes in Gilmore Girls. <laughs> you know, when the mom and the daughter just go back and forth really quickly. And you're just like, good Lord, it's actually like watching Gilmore Girls. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Aaron Sorkin would hate me saying that, but you know. <laughs> It's true. But there's something satisfying about that, isn't there? Yeah, and that's, I, I mean, if you haven't seen The West Wing, you would love The West Wing because it is very, like, The West Wing is literally, every scene is fucking, like, it's like all people walking down corridors and really snappy, like, snappy, like, one-liners with people walking in and out, like. And I do think that in this film, it it really works, but it's because David Fincher's execution is just so brilliant. Mm. There are a couple of films, like, again, a Trial of Chicago 7 and Being the Ricardo's, the latest films that he has actually directed as well, Aaron Sorkin, that have been impeccably bad because he, he doesn't know how to direct. Hasn't, isn't he directing To Kill a Mockingbird in the West End right now? Isn't that him? Yes, it that's is. him. I really didn't enjoy it. I was going to say, you saw it yeah. and you didn't like it, yeah. I didn't. Didn't enjoy it. So With Matthew, he, Matthew Modine's about to take over as Addicts Finch. I watched it and I thought, that's... Probably what I would have come up with if he, I had to do a theater. It was just it was just very what you expect. There was nothing yeah, special. Yeah. It wasn't mm. clever. He's very much like that as a director. Obviously, like yeah, he's done some incredible works in the yeah in the context of writing. But when it comes to directing, which I feel like it requires much more creativity, synchronization. Maybe he doesn't work well with people. I'm not quite sure. But he's not like a he's not like a, a visionary from a creative standpoint. Like being mm. there, Ricardo was awful. <laughs> And the trial of Chicago 7 was like, just, yeah, basic at best. It had a couple of good lines. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but it's, like the trial of Chicago 7 very much kind of, like, it's carried by the actors in it, and it's very yeah. much just feels like a... And it's like a courtroom, a, like a drama, yeah. so, it, so you don't need to do anything special, but... Yeah, you just point the camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, going back to the, yeah, to the very final scene, because we have, yeah, Resida Jones, Resida Jones' character... Tell him that bit about um, yeah, you're just trying to be an asshole. And but then she said something around how I can't remember the exact phrase about like about the myth and how he's like basically the almost like the myth is bigger than the create the myth creator in a way. I, I can't remember the exact no, phrase remember. because I feel like that's kind of the point where. Aaron Sorkin is trying to come full circle and be like, what you just watched, which is like a pretty ridiculous tale, is full of shit because you just watched a 
yeah, a dramatized story in the first place. I feel like that I saw that as a kind of a meta disclaimer, as in like, yeah, probably what we saw, we kind of we all know that it's an exaggeration, but you know, grounding it to the defense lawyer and Zuckerberg, which I really enjoyed as a like a you know, yeah, a, they're a nice parent together. Nice parenting. I just feel like it was um yeah, like a, almost like breaking the fourth wall. I saw that. Uh, you know, exchange between them. Throughout the film, he, uh, in those scenes with the lawyers, he doesn't listen to any of his lawyers or the other ones and he like makes well, sarcastic comments and he's looking at the window yeah. and like, they are like, are, are, like, are you paying attention? And he's like, you have 4% of my attention and stuff like that. I actually really like that line. Yeah, it's, it's a so great sharp. line. Yeah. You know, and Rashida Jones is then the only one that he actually listens to. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> she's one of the few that just tells him straight because the, one of the first things she says to him in that scene is, was like, well, of course you're going to settle. And he's almost like, what do you mean I'm going to settle? Mm. Of course I win. She's like, no, you don't. She's mm. like, she, she, she does the whole spiel about how like her whole thing is jury selection. And she's like, mm. there's, a, there's, a bit, there's a couple of different things that all I have to do is point to them and you've already lost. And it's kind yeah. of... The film is bookended by two ladies telling him the truth. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then he goes back to Erica, who is the other woman who like told yeah. to him straight. So the, yeah, the, the line was, creation myths need a devil. So I really yeah. like that line because it was almost like a callback. We just saw like the origin story of a villain in a way, but actually it's not that true that you're a villain. Like it's much more complicated mm. than that, at least at the time. My personal view of Mark Zuckerberg in real life isn't really like that because I just think, God, imagine if Steve Bannon had created Facebook mm-hmm. or anybody else, you know, mm-hmm. it could be a lot worse <laughs> I think Always. it could be a lot worse, but it could be a lot better. Yeah. I don't know. I think the minute, because I used to naively think when I was a kid, like you, you connect the whole world together and we'll have world peace. You know, how could we want to mm. bomb somewhere where you had Facebook friends? And obviously the opposite has happened. And the networking of the human race has led to all these bizarre cliques and it's, it's brought together all these mad people and made them feel like there's way more of them than there actually are. Mm. I think the interesting thing about it is, is that like you, don't, you shouldn't really feel bad for anyone in that film because, oh, they're all billionaires who have a few less, like the, the Winkle bosses and Eduardo Severance, like, yeah. oh, they're billionaires who have a few mm. less billions because of what happened. Like the thing is... Like, well, the Winklevoss have 60 million more than they would have had yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. if they hadn't bothered taking them to court. And it wouldn't have mattered because their dad had all that money. It's interesting, like, what does, it, what does the social network look like now, 10 years on from when the film was made, if you make it now with this other 10 years of, I don't think of what we know Facebook I really moved has. on very much since then. It's, it's, no, to me, the, it's, no, it's really the, static. No, but the world has, and it, its place in the world has, could, and that's mm, more yeah. of an interesting thing. Yeah. And that's why, like, I know you say that, like, you know, if somebody else had created Facebook. Problem is that Facebook, as you say, hasn't really changed, but the world has definitely changed in a huge way. And Zuckerberg's responses to that have been kind of archaic. Well, what Zuckerberg yeah. would say to you is, you know, this is just a shop window and the, the, the customers create the content and he's just providing the means with which to communicate it. Yeah, but then you are responsible for the platform you create from yeah, but then, content moderation and then he, Yeah, then the moderation stuff is like, well, with whose viewpoint is he going to moderate it? You know, it's really difficult. Well, you can, start, happened, with, you can start with the law. Like if yeah. you go on Facebook and you see child porn, then that means the law is not yeah. being, you know, like a basic stuff. That I, well, I guess what, what I'm could, talking about is politics more than anything else, which is the most difficult thing to deal with. Right. And conspiracy theories and fake news. Right. 
very difficult to police. Right. But I guess the thing is, and Facebook will have an issue and it won't necessarily happen in the States, but if the EU and stuff like that bring in regulations that Facebook needs to start regulating itself, it is going to have problems then. You're going to see like Meta is going to move all their offices out of Europe and stuff because as soon as that happens, then they will have to face up to the facts of, it can't just be like, it's like, it's like a shop window, but oh shit, this is my shop window, so I'm responsible for what's well, yeah. in my well, shop Facebook window. Well, Facebook has famously never had to abide by the same law as publishers in this country. So, mm-hmm. you know, if The Guardian publishes a story that's untrue, or, or the BBC runs stuff that's untrue, they could perhaps le- lose their broadcasting licence. Whereas these social Facebook networks, have broadcasting license. they can just yeah. say, I'm sorry, where's the shop window? You know, we're not in charge of the content. And they've managed, because of power and corruption, to basically retain that license to basically do whatever they want. And so that's why I say, I feel like the social network came in, whatever it was, 2010. And so that's after six years of Facebook. Facebook is now almost, like Facebook, what, 2004, I think, in the film is when it Mm -hmm. comes out. So Facebook is 18 18 years old now. The first six years of Facebook and then the preceding, what, 10 are actually, like, a lot has happened in the preceding 10 that will be quite interesting to hear about. Like all the court cases, like Zuckerberg getting hauled up in front of the Supreme Court and stuff like that and having to testify. and <laughs> having, Yeah, having a think about what the, the sequel to the social network would <laughs> look like network is incredible. Uh, it's, what's interesting about the film in particular is that they actually had a really big issue with, yeah, like they were quite concerned about getting sued because, again, Zuckerberg was very much alive. So there is a reason they focused the, the majority of the film around the litigations because these are public like public knowledge knowledge therefore like they could actually yeah kind of but they don't even know like even some of the stuff you don't even know because even at the end when we have him sitting there clicking refresh on his computer and you get the little blurbs of what's happened but nobody knows what both settlements are unless you know they've said it in public you know exactly yeah they're very much working on yeah clearly they're very much working on okay what information is in the public knowledge that we can actually talk about exactly and then what stuff can we fictionalize as well to kind of enhance the story which is why i feel like if there were to be like a social network too it would have to be around cambridge analytica and like reinstating trump no actually banning trump sorry that's elon musk reinstating trump uh like (laughs) like banning musk and like what was the you know behind the scenes drama behind those decisions like things that you can actually kind of Cross like fact check to an extent because yeah like the Supreme Court like scenes like I can see Aaron Sorkin writing a like insane something Facebook doesn't really like to do yeah yeah definitely Uh, but very quickly because the the film ended with some on screen text that kind of talked like reference where everyone was at so the the part about Facebook having five hundred million users in. 207 countries and it was valued at over 25 billion at the time. Now, I did the math. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Facebook now has 2.96 billion monthly active users. A couple more. I wonder if Zuckerberg can do that maths for us, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that is true. And its net worth as of 2022 is at 245 billion. What's Zuckerberg's net worth now? I'm not sure, but I know it was probably half the... Yeah, over the last year because their stock uh, was um, like like dropped quite a lot mm. because of, I mean, stock markets. His metaverse that the stakeholders are not quite buying it. So his, uh, yeah, his shares keep going back, keep going down. But I mean, it's probably kind of something ridiculous, like, I don't know, 70 billion or something. Yeah, because I looked at Eduardo Severance, I looked at his, I think it was like Forbes page and he's like worth $6.6 billion yeah, or something yeah. like that. He's in considerably, Singapore considerably somewhere. Less. Yeah, like, he's in Singapore as like an as, as like a, like a an investor and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, yeah. zero sympathy for the devil. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of zero sympathy for anybody. In for it, really. anybody, I mean, but you're yeah, not, yeah, you're not yeah. really supposed to be sympathetic mm-hmm. for any of them because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're all multi, multi billionaires who, yeah. especially if it is based on a book written by Eduardo Severin, or at least partially based on that, you know, there is going to be some, you know, glamorization and pointing towards him as being the good guy in the story, which he very much is. Like Andrew mm. Garfield, even though it's like I love his performance in it. And we talked about, you know, his ending scene where he tells them to lawyer up and stuff like that. I think it's great when he like when he freaks out in the office and goes to hit Justin Timberlake and stuff and says, you know, I like hanging out with you because it, I like hanging out with you because you make me feel t- like that's make me feel tough. That's my favorite mm. line in the film. I love that. I think that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a very different film when, you know, the book is partially or, or the film is partially based on a book written by him where he's clearly going to make himself out to be the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I think we solved the ending again, you guys. Anything else to add? History is written by the victors, but there's no winner in this scenario. So it really doesn't hey, matter, I would say. Drops. We will be back in two weeks with our Christmas special episode. Mm. Yeah. With the uh, one and only love, actually. <laughs> I think for this one, we should have to bring each other an audio clip present. Oh, that's okay. cute. So everyone has to come so to the podcast with like a clip from a film as a present. I love that I idea. Like that. that is so smart, Simon. I love it. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll do that. And we're going to play live, right? Yeah. Okay, live reactions as well. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm excited. Sounds good. Nice. Uh, if you like this episode, maybe send it to someone who's not on Facebook or who doesn't like Facebook very much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll love the episode. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Did you like it? Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it. I, I had no idea you could milk a cat. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs>